All financial decisions have always been impacted by uncertainty and they will always be. In the very essence, a financial decision, a financial investment, it's a simple trade-off between certainty and uncertainty. Nobody can predict the future, but here we are facing really a perfect storm. We have an unprecedented volume of stresses that are impacting the global economic system. Hi there, and welcome back to Voices of a Business School, hosted by AVT Business School. In today's episode, we're extremely pleased to welcome Giampiero Favato. Giampiero started his career by working his way up through the corporate finance, economics, and business development divisions. And with more than 20 years of experience in the corporate sector, he moved his expertise to academia. For over a decade, Champiero have now dived deep into the factor of valuation under uncertainty and how one copes with financial uncertainty. Together with ABT's own Jesper Bergman, Champiero touched base with the basic trade-offs between certainty and uncertainty, how one navigates the stresses in uncertain times, because one thing is financial risk. That factor is a known unknown, but dealing with uncertainty, one is faced with an unknown unknown. And therefore, to cope, one will have to go that one step further. Companies have to become more transparent. Managers have to analyze, obtain information and predict. Investors have to build expectations and nonetheless project expected outcomes. And that is what today's episode revolves around. So tag along if you're interested in a talk around the issue of financial uncertainty, at least the increase in the level of uncertainty we have been faced with in recent years. Now I'll uh, I'll leave the experts to uh, to dive further into these topics. So a warm welcome to Champiero and Jesper. Let's dive into it. A warm welcome to all listeners uh, tapping into the AVT podcast. Uh, today I have the privilege of interviewing one of my favorite professors here at AVT Business Schools. Champiero Favato is working out of Kingston University and the business school there. And he's helping us with a topic around accounting and finance in particular. So he's providing a solid understanding of accounting and finance uh, principles to our MBA students and corporates that we work with once they engage uh, with us. So it's a, it's a great privilege and welcome, Giampiero. I would just like to start with asking you, you know, what some of the things that's top of your mind as you go through your daily life, so to speak? Thank you, Jasper. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm particularly happy to have the opportunity to talk about uncertainty. As you know, Jasper, I am a sort of a hybrid professor because I spent 20 years of my life working in corporate finance for the pharmaceutical industry, where we were valuing investments on innovation in R&D, where actually uncertainty plays a, a big role mm. because we are talking about investing on something which may or may not become a blockbuster drug in yeah. 10 to 12 years. Then when I moved to academia, this kind of problem stuck. And I've been, uh, I've been researching for over a decade about uncertainty and the way that we can cope with uncertainty. At the beginning, what I would like to say is that uh, all financial decisions have always been impacted by uncertainty 
and there will always be. In the very essence, a financial decision, a financial investment, it's a simple trade-off between certainty, which is cash, the capital that you have to invest now, and uncertainty, which are the future cash flow that the investment is going to generate. And in order to make a decision, the investor has, has to make a sort of an idea, has to have an idea of the expected outcomes. For example, if you make an investment on a new product, you need to build a sort of a expectation of what the demand is going to be for the product in the future. And this is true for everyone. Uh, let me make a few examples. When MBA students join a program, they make their decision based on the expectation of being better prepared, well, essentially earn a better salary over their career. And when investors decide to put money on new products, they do that on the basis of the expected gain. So in order to make evaluation of any investment, you have to make a prediction about what the outcome is going to be. As a tribute to the ADT University in Copenhagen, I want to quote a Danish physicist and winner of the Nobel Prize, Niels Bohr. Niels Bohr once said that prediction is difficult, especially when it's about the future. Mm. <laughs> and, and this is true because nobody can predict the, the future. Mm. There is always a component of the, the risk and unknown. The problem is that when this sense of discomfort in projecting expected outcomes becomes really strong, this has an impact. And the increase of level of uncertainty that we have seen in the, the recent years actually made it very difficult trying to project a possible future for an investment. Mm. Of course, uh, I don't want to be boring, but I have to be because I'm an academic. <laughs> I need to define uncertainty. Because when you read about uncertainty in the newspaper, in the magazine, and also my some esteemed colleagues, sometimes the lay definition of uncertainty combines two kinds of unknowns that in, uh, in finance we tend to keep very separate. One is risk, but the risk is a known unknown. You know that they could be wrong. Mm. The problem with uncertainty is that it is an unknown unknown. Mm. All the possible things that can go wrong, but that you don't know about. The difference between risk and uncertainty is the same as fear and anxiety. You are afraid of spiders. You are afraid of dark. So you know what you're afraid about. But anxiety is a more generalized sensation that makes you uncomfortable, but you don't really know what's the source of anxiety. This is what we call uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to make this distinction because risk opposite to anxiety can be modeled with probabilities mm -hmm. and up to a certain extent can be hedged. So it makes a forward-looking decision very difficult. Other than more factors, both the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns, is it the sheer number of factors that are in both categories, basically, you know, changing the decisions or the uncertainty about the decisions? Uh, how, how do you view it? Well, Jasper, the problem that we are dealing with uncertainty, the unknown unknowns right now, mm is a sheer volume and the intensity and the global impact of those. Mm. I, I don't want to quote a, a movie, 
But here we are facing really a perfect storm. We have an unprecedented volume of stresses that are impacting the global economic system. First of all, to the environment. Over the past couple of years, we had infection diseases, a virus, COVID-19. We have an unprecedented political crisis. We we are talking again about the potential use of nuclear weapons. It looks like to to watch a movie with JFK and the Cuban crisis. Mm. But the other point is not very commonly addressed, but is extremely important, is that when you look at the literature, the empirical analysis of uncertainty says that uncertainty hits particularly hard economies that were already in recession. And of course, all those sources of uncertainty have an impact on the way that the the economy reacts and the damage for the economy. Mm. But I think evaluations go down on on, on businesses, etc. You know, many companies argue, you know, that that's where you need to step up. That's that's where you need to basically invest, uh, both in terms of uh, them giving a, you know a cheaper price for another company, or you know, the best time rather than trying to invest on the high side. But do you see that happening in this day and age, as as we as we speak? Or because I think you know the the numbers that I've seen, at least in terms of uh, M and A's and so forth. Uh, are not are not very high at the moment. You're absolutely right, but not just the merger and acquisition, also the capital funding for startups or early stage companies is going dramatically down, mm. which signals a couple of things. The reason why I started talking about this uh, this confusion in predicting the future mm. has direct impact on the investment of the company. It's, it looks like the corporation are privileging short-term investment, but they are reluctant to commit to long-term investment because the information that they have about the future do not allow to be confident as they used to. Mm. In order to do that, also private investors want to be compensated for this incremental uncertainty with higher rates of return that are very difficult to meet. I have seen biotechnology sector. In every crisis, the sort of safe haven for investors were pharmaceutical industry and biotechnology. The number of small biotechs that they're declaring bankruptcy because they, they can no longer get funds from the market has never been so high. So the long-term expectation of these returns is is somehow reducing the investment, especially in innovation. Mm. But this is as a number of negative consequences because if you shy away from long-term investment, it means that your firm level and aggregate productivity is going down, mm. which is something that all the macroeconomic indicators are telling us. And there are another couple of things. For small companies, the financial turmoil is increasing the, the cost of money, so it's more expensive for smaller firms to access cheap financing, bank financing. Mm. On the other hand, there is a higher volatility of the stock market. As a result, it's kind of funny because apparently the response of companies to this uncertainty is to increase level of cash, but increase of a factor of 10. Right. Jasper, in the old times, when I was managing this kind of stuff, we were 
urged to keep in the safe as little money as possible mm. in cash. Now, cash is becoming the sort of a risk-free resource the company can use if something goes wrong. Mm. I, I guess that's back to, you know, the financial crisis kind of, you know, the... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but... The advantage, basically, to invest, whether it's uncertainty or whether we are at the break of really... There is, a, there, is a, there is a positive coin in this uncertainty. As important as the negative, pressures that are more clear towards a different future may have forced corporations to accelerate the obsolescence of their product and as a consequence, they are funding of an NDE because there is no other alternative. Mm. All right. Giampiero, just some uh, quick questions that I think you are more an expert in uh, answering than anyone else we've had in the studio. I was just wondering what your take upon cryptocurrencies actually are in the financial market, uh, whatever your take is. <laughs> I will report uh, the fact that I really agree with the opinion of the governor of the Bank of England, Draghi, which was the former president of the European Bank. Cryptocurrency is an unregulated alternative to investment. As such, is a pure bet with no underlying value. The only reason why the price goes up or down is related to the market demand. Mm. If people are buying or are selling. Mm. Now, said that, uh, we are at the level of price in the stock market where even if you buy shares, more or less is the same. Because if you're asking me to actually do a free cash flow valuation of Apple. I have to build assumptions that to define them unrealistic, uh, it's really an understatement. <laughs> the only thing that I'm saying is the key word is unregulated. Mm. We have already enough problem with the regulated financial investment that I'm not sure you want to deal with unregulated. Said mm. that, my personal advice is if you want to play with that, Play with little money because there are very good chances that you're going to make short-term profit and extremely good chances that you're going to make long-term losses like everybody that I've seen investing in that. Mm. Okay. Um, another question. It's a, it's a, uh, Jasper, it's a casino. <laughs> it's a casino. You go and bet. If you want to bet 500 pounds, a thousand pounds, nothing to you. Have a little bit of fun mm. is not a problem. Uh, I wouldn't bet my pension fund. Mm. That's that's what I mean. Well, in terms of balance and also looking at accounting and finance, you know, you, we've seen ESG factors come into play as well. So I was just wondering, environmental and social certainly different from what the uh, accounting and finance department used to report on, at least. Um, any any issues in that regard, or do you see firms really picking up on uh, reporting uh, on these factors as well? Yes, there is uh, tons of metrics. Every in investment fund is trying to look at mm. a complexity of reporting about environmental factors. The Problem is that there is a substantial difference between what you see in the markets. Like, if I wanted to make a sure bet, mm. I was going to buy last year shares of oil companies mm. because I knew that with this price discrimination, I was going to make a significant profit. So this behavior of the market doesn't seem to go 
along environmental responsibility. Mm. In reality, there will be uh, sooner or later a much stronger movement. But in order to do that, the real movers of the money, they have to find a sort of a common ground. What are the, the, the new rules of engagement in investing in companies? And companies, uh, they have to be much more transparent. Let me give you an example that I just saw. Mercedes, which is the financial owner of Mercedes-Benz, changed a sort of a revolving debt financing of significant 11 or 13 billion euro into this kind of sustainable loans. Those sustainable loans are structured in a way that are linked to the environmental performance of the company. The better the company perform, the lower is the interest rate. And the, the reason is, as an investor, I get the benefit of the environmental improvement and some money back. Mm. So in this way, is the first time where I see, with this kind of new instruments, a sort of a convergence mm. of, uh, a, a, of interest between companies and investors. Mm. This is where we need to go in order to make this happen. The other, the other point that is going to connect vertically is going to be taxation. If those metrics are going to be strong enough to allow the countries to tax differently the good and the bad from an environmental standpoint, at that point, we, we, we have a structure. I don't think that we are very far from there. I, I, there is a very strong movement about mm. that. In, in my class, at AVT, we talk about uh, uncertainty. We laid down the foundations of how do you want to navigate. There, there is a way to deal with the uncertainty. Well, first of all, it's impossible to remove uh, all economic uncertainty, like it's impossible to remove risk, because if you make an investment that has no risk and no uncertainty, it has no return. Mm. You need the risk and uncertainty. What, in financial terms, these uh, spike of uncertainty actually meant is that this is the death of the MPV as a measure of investing. But the problem of the net present value is that you make an investment that you project a series of cash flow mm -hmm. that are set in stone. Even if they are probabilized, it doesn't matter. You discount everything back. And if the discounted free cash flow are higher than the investment, you go ahead. Mm is no longer possible to do that. We need to include uncertainty into mm. that. Mm. And in order to do that, one is to make, if possible, the investment flexible, not to go all in. There is an instrument that I, I pioneered and, and we look at in our class, which are the real options. They tell you essentially to look at an investment, if possible, in a different way. To make an initial investment, but before you put more, into that, you need to have the possibility to wait to have more information. And if the information that you have are negative, you need to abandon the project. It gives you the flexibility to get in and out of projects without losing the full monte, the entire mm -hmm. investment. It makes, if you want me to be a little bit more elegant, it makes the investment a little bit less irreversible. Mm -hmm. 
I guess with the also new adventures for for businesses. I mean, new new innovation or business models changes or whatever they 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 might come up with. You know, evaluating then looking at the cash flow. You know that that's also where firms struggle. As I absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely. This is why you need to include as many information as possible because in our class we use an artificial intelligence built spreadsheet where. We get the information from the accounts. We build the future cash flows according to the information that we have. Mm. Then the, the, the spreadsheet creates a very different scenarios. One which is the one that we believe is the most realistic. But the most important one are the two opposite, the best and the worst. And by stretching those as much as we can, what you do, you it, it forces you to look at the extreme, and then we derive a sort of an average, a possible value that you compare to the MPV. If it's the same or even better, it gives you a little bit of confidence that the uncertainty can help you. But if it's much less positive than your base case scenario, mm. then you need to stop and you need to realize that uncertainty could actually play a major role in the investment mm. and you have to rethink about what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So the, the best thing that we can do, because the MPV is deterministic, you need to stretch it to see what's the possible extension and then you need to see what uncertainty could do to it. Mm. Eventually, there is no artificial intelligence at the managers, they have to make a decision mm. based on what they know and their gut. Mm. But this is a way, it's a kind of a slow food approach to investment. Yeah. You have to take into consideration everything. You need to savor all the ingredients. And at the end, you make the decision. Mm. Well, this is this is what we do. And, and, and this is what now also the corporation do. I am working on a project because can you believe how big is this problem of when we talk about mega projects, mm. like public investment. I'm not sure about the travel demand. I'm mm. not sure what the plane is going to look like over mm. 10 years. Mm. So mm. how am I going to do that? And one way to look at that is twofold. First of all, to try and build the investment uh, stepwise so you can abandon it. But that's not enough. If you decide to abandon, you need to have an alternative use of what you've done because we cannot leave uh, tons of cement. Yeah, sure. and, and and this is the way that um, institutions making large investment are trying to navigate to answer mm. Oh, brilliant. I know you pioneered the, the model for quite some time here at uh, AVT and um, uh, glad to hear that some firms are actually trying to adapt it uh, as well. I think there's still a lot of uh, firms out there really looking at when does this break even, even yeah, the, the cash when, flow. Uh, when is the MPV higher than zero? But it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. Anything. So let's hope more people will dive into this issue around uncertainty, the increased uncertainty, at least uh, it seems, and and how to navigate it and learn from uh, Giampiero Favato. It was... Uh, <laughs> it was... Uh, <laughs> It was a, a pleasure talking to you here today, Giampiero, and we are looking forward yeah, to see always, you uh, soon, soon again, uh, Giampiero. Absolutely, absolutely. So take care and thank you very much. You too, thank you for having me.